Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. This is week number two. Everybody say week two of our Wednesday night series. Um, if you missed this past Wednesday, that's okay. You can listen to the podcast or watch on YouTube. Um, but this is uh, part two of our blank is not our job. Turn to your neighbor and say blank is not our job. This is week two of that Wednesday night series. So we're going to kick it off with Acts chapter 15, verse 1 through 2 and 4 through 10. Acts chapter 15, verse 1 through 2 and 4 through 10. Man, I am excited to share this message with you all tonight. If you all are there, if you turn to your Bibles, say amen. Give me, a, give me a heads up that you are there. Let's go. So it says this. While Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, some false teachers came from Judea to trouble the believers. They taught, unless you are circumcised, as the law of Moses requires, you cannot be saved. This sparked a fierce argument between the false teachers and Paul and Barnabas. So the church appointed a delegation of believers, including Paul and Barnabas, to go to Jerusalem to meet with apostles and elders of the church and resolve this issue. Verse 4. When they finally arrived in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders. They explained to them everything God had done among them. But, everybody say but. There's always somebody, right? There's always something. It says, but some of the believers were of the religious group called separated ones or Pharisees. They were in, insistent saying, we must continue the custom of circumcision. And require that people keep the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met privately to discuss the matter further. They're almost done. Verse 7. After a lengthy debate, Peter rose to his feet and said to them, Brothers, you know how God has chosen me from the beginning to preach the wonderful news of the gospel to the non-Jewish nations. God, who knows the hearts of every person, say every person. Confirmed this when he gave them the Holy Spirit, just like he, give, he has given us. So now, not one thing separates us as Jews and Gentiles. For when they believe, he makes their hearts pure. So why on earth would you now limit God's grace by placing a yoke of religious duties on the shoulders of the believers that neither we nor, nor our ancestors have been able to bear? And I'm excited for this part two. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for uh, week two of this series. Say, changing people. Changing people is not your job. Is not your job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing in the house. We thank you for uh, soft hearts and open minds that your Holy Spirit is running free. We have no ulterior motive other than seeing lives be changed, watch people grow, Father. So we thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place tonight. We thank you for revelation is in the house, that peace is in the house. And, Father, in just about 15, 20 minutes, the Rockets are going to kick off their game. It's game seven, Father. Bless them, Jesus. Help them. I don't want to go home and, and be sad when I get there and find out the score. I want to be happy. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen. So, um, yeah, I'm a Rockets fan, if you didn't know. So, about a few years ago, um, I got back from, uh, I graduated Bible college. About a few years ago, I graduated Bible college. But here's the thing. When I got out, when I finished, I was a little overzealous, or maybe a lot overzealous, okay? 
So I got back. See, I had a lot of different roles and responsibility while I was at Bible college. And one of them um, was that I was the CL or the, the leader over a whole um, dorm of guys. So there was about 100 guys, and I was basically their older brother figure during that time. And so I was the one breaking up the fights. I was the one fixing the drama. I was the one, if they needed prayer, I was here for prayer. If they needed advice, I was there for advice. And so I spent a lot of my time just helping people and, you know, trying to figure out a way to, for them to grow and just to help them out. And so that was kind of like my routine when I was at Bible college the last year or so. And so when I got out, uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready. I was confident. Man, I'm like, man, watch Jesus change the world. You know, I was like so, you know, it's, but I was just like so overzealous, really. And so I got home. I said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing here that I did at Bible college. And the thing was, my friends and family didn't feel the same way. My poor, my poor family. So I kind of did try to do the same thing. I would approach, you know, my friends, my family, say, hey, you know, I see this problem that you have. You know, I was like, you know, and I see that there's something wrong, and let me help you out with that. You know, and I, I had the right heart about it. I really did, but I was going on about it the wrong way. I had the wrong approach, and in the end, I found out that I wasn't helping people. I was actually, in the long run, hurting people by not doing it in the right way, doing it in the right approach. And so I had this problem, and so I was, like, praying to God. I was like, God, you know, I have this burden to help people. I have this burden to, you know, um, help them through lives and just watch them reach their potential. But I feel like things aren't working out. Like, I feel like things aren't changing. And that's when God told me, he said, he said Caleb, changing people is not your job. That, that's never your job. He said, that's my job. He said, all you have to do is you just have to focus not only on you being your best self, but you need to focus on this portraying my characteristics, being obedient to me. And if out of that obedience, opportunities will come where you can then, you know, give advice if you need to or, or give guidance if you need to. But it never starts with you going out thinking you can change people. See, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong approach. And that's kind of overzealous approach um, that I had. And then I learned very quickly that that wasn't the right approach. Because, you see, change doesn't happen externally. Change only happens internally. It's not an external force that will make somebody change. It always is an internal force. It's never going to be something that I'm going to say. It's never going to be something that you're going to say. It's only going to be something that God tells them on the inside that's going to spark change. And so what we're going to talk about today is that a lot of us can get caught up in changing people. I mean, who's, who's, who has some people in their lives who are like, if only they changed, man, my life would be so good. If only they did this, man, you know. And we see it so caught up in looking and hoping that these people would change and we get focused on it. We get lost on it. And we're thinking, oh, if they just stopped doing that, if they just started doing that, man, things would so be so much better for me and for them. And we get so caught up in looking for the change in others that we overlook the change that needs to happen in ourselves. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about change and how it's not our job, but we're going to see how God does it. We're going to see how God does it. So in the Pharisees, in the scripture we just read, it says the Pharisees said and demanded of people change. They, they demanded change. And they demanded that, that things would happen. And without them even knowing that they were demanding of change of others, but in reality, the change needed to happen to themselves. Like who's ever demanded change of somebody? They've been like, you know what, I've had enough of you. You need to start doing this, start doing that. And you start demanding change. And you start saying, if only my boss would start changing this, everything would be better around here. If only my spouse started cleaning, everything would be better around here, you know. 
That wasn't from the heart, babe. That was about that was about me, probably. And you start demanding change of people, right? And it happens over and over. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. We start demanding change of people. But here's point one for tonight is we don't demand change, we demonstrate change. We don't demand change, we demonstrate change. So if you want to see your boss be kinder to you, you need to start being kinder to your boss. If you want to um, have your spouse do more around the house, you need to start doing more around the house yourself. Here's a tough one. If you want your kids to show you more respect, you need to start showing your, your children more respect for themselves. You see, it says in Scripture, however you treat your neighbor, you need to treat your neighbor as yourself. Because when it comes down to it, how you treat your neighbor is how your neighbor's going to treat you, right? What you sow is what you're going to reap. So tonight we need to ask ourselves, right, what am I demonstrating? What are we demonstrating? Am I loving the way I need to love? Am I being kind to people the way I know I need to be kind to? Because if we're not, and if we don't demonstrate the change that we want to see, and we demand people of change, and we demand these ways to be done, and we're not demonstrating it, Here's the thing, if people around you are constantly being rude to you, are constantly offending you, are constantly being mean to you, there's a chance that if it's all these people doing the same things towards you, then maybe that's what you're demonstrating in your life. Maybe it's not them that needs to change. Maybe you need to look at yourself and change on the inside. So that's what, that's what today's about. That's what tonight's about is that we need to start demonstrating the change we want to see. Because I'm telling you, if you do that, if you stop demanding of others and you flip that switch and you start demonstrating the change that you want to see, not in, only in their lives, but in your life also, you're going to see more of it. Here's the thing, because demanding change will never deliver change. It will only slow it down. That's what I learned. That's what I learned when I got out of, out of, out of TBI and I started thinking that the same thing was going to happen twice. I started learning that when I was demanding change of others, it wasn't helping. As a matter of fact, it was doing the opposite effect that I hoped. It was actually slowing it down. See, the best thing that we can actually do is not, is, is not demand to change, but demonstrate. To inspire people to change. To show people why they need to change on the inside and make it their choice. See, show people the change that you want to see. Y'all hearing what I'm saying tonight? Good stuff. But you might be in the house tonight and you're saying, you know, CJ, I've been in I've been demonstrating all I can demonstrate, right? Man, I've been showing them how they need to do it. I've been kind to them. I've been nice to my boss, and still my boss is rude. Man, I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Now, now there needs to come to a point, right, when, you, when we need to stop demonstrating, and now we need to, you know, knock down their door in their office and start telling them what's wrong and how to make it right. You know, right at some point, right? Point number two is that instead of persuading them, we need to start praying for them. Instead of persuading them, pray for them. See, here's what happens. Instead of talking bad about what's going on, instead of complaining about what's around you, and instead of talking about the change that needs to happen in their lives, if you, if you actually start praying for them, if you actually start speaking over them, if you actually begin to speak life over them, you will begin to see something change on the inside of them, and it's not going to be you. It's going to be in God. Because here's what happens. You don't have enough of the ability or the words, even if you think you have them. I thought I had them. You don't have them. If you don't have the, what it, the, enough of that inspiration to, to speak to somebody and for them to change. Nobody can do that. Only God can do that. 
So if we can't persuade them out of, to change, then we must pray for them to change. And that's how you flip the switch because not only are you now praying for them, speaking life over them, speaking that God's will is going to be in their life. And, again, I'm not saying pray judgment over them. You know, don't pray God. I hope they, you know, learn something. You know, I hope they learn. Instead of praying judgment on them, always speak God's will over them. Because here's another thing. You don't know what's best. Right? You don't know what's best for them. You might think you do, but only God knows what's best for them. So instead of speaking your will, speak God's will over them. And if you start doing that, you're going to begin to see the change that you want to see. Because here's the thing. The, it's hard to complain about the people you pray about. I'm going to say it one more time. It's hard to complain about the people you pray about. There's been so many times in my life where I have had problems with people, problems with different individuals, and I've been caught myself complaining about them. I get that check. Say, Caleb, you start praying for them. And I almost get at this point, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I know. Like, you know, because I know if I start praying for them, all of a sudden I'm no longer going to have a problem with them. Because when I start praying for them, start speaking life over them, start speaking God's will over them, all of a sudden now when I get in contact with this person, I'm talking with this person, I might say, yeah, they might not be where they need to be or, or they not, might not be the change that I want them to have, but, man, I'm believing for them. Man, I love them. Man, I'm praying for them. I'm, I'm speaking on their behalf. And when you start doing that, you're going to stop complaining about them when you start praying about them. Again, Another little Bible college. Man, I'm talking a lot about Bible college. A lot of sermon material when I was at Bible college. Um, so when I was at, um, I was in my second semester of Bible college at the beginning. Um, and, and at this Bible college, there's about 150 guys there. And I got, I was really in good, you know, health with about 99% of them. Like I got along with about 99% of these guys, you know, and all but two. There was these two guys I didn't get along with. At that time, at that time. And it was the start of the second semester, and these two guys, you know, I honestly did do a quick prayer. I was like, God, I don't know who my, because we're about to find out who our roommates were. I said, God, as long as it's not these two guys, I'm cool with it. I said, I'm cool with it. I mean, but what's the chances of it? I mean, that's like a, you know, a one, you know, point, I don't know the numbers, 0.5%, I don't know. But it's a small chance. But I still say that it's worth a prayer. Say, God, just please don't let it happen. You know, I know you love me. I know you care about me. So you won't let it happen anyways. Um, because these two guys, I've, I've learned with my personality, I don't vibe well with people who are, like, overly obnoxious. You know those people who are, like, in your face constantly, and you're, like, trying to sleep, and you're, like, you know, patting you. Like, over obnoxious, you know, people, I've learned that I, I don't, but God is still helping me with that. But, so I, second semester, I get to my room, and, you know, I, I was running late, so I'm the last one to get there, and I open the door, and I bet you can guess who the two guys, my only two roommates were. It was those two guys. And I said, God, at least, you could at least have done one. I would have I learned, you know, I would have learned the same lesson if you just did one. You didn't have to do two. But it was those two guys, and, man, when I saw that, like, I was like, uh-uh. I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And for about the first two to three weeks, it wasn't pretty. Like, you know, I, you know, at first I had long suffering for about, you know, two days. But then after that, I was just like, you know, calling them out on things, telling, you know, getting, you know, having enough of them. I was telling them at one point, I was like, look, dude, you got about a 30-minute limit. After 30 minutes, I don't want to look at you no more. I was like, dude, this is, like, you know, at this point, I was like, dude. Um, and then I said, and then, but that's when I got that check in my heart. 
And God, and God said, has, has you, have you been praying for your roommates? And I was like, no, you know. I've been trying not to think about him at all, God, honestly. I haven't, you know, I've been, I haven't definitely have been praying for him. But then I started praying for him. And, and I started saying, God, you know what, I'm just going to pray. And here was the prayer I really had. I said, God, I'm going to pray for him. But I want to view these people, these two individuals, the way you see them. All right, not the way I do. But here's the thing, that's a scary prayer. Because you pray that, God's going to do it. And all of a sudden, the people you never liked, you're going to begin to like. So I pray that prayer. And all of a sudden, it was the craziest things because those two individuals, they didn't change at all. Nothing changed about them. Everything changed about me. But because I prayed for them, I changed my perspective of them. All of a sudden, I wasn't just seeing the flaws. I wasn't just seeing how they can be, you know, over the top sometimes. I wasn't just seeing all the bad things. I started seeing the good things. I started to see what I could appreciate of them. I started to say, hey, you know what, this guy's, you know, but he's kind of funny. You know, I started seeing some things in him. And before the end of the semesters, we became good friends. Not great friends, not best friends. But at least we could, you know, handle each other. But what I realized is that what, that's what really it's about. It's us not the seeking change and it's hoping people will change. Because here's the thing, you can hope that people change according to your will, but it's never going to happen. I hate to break it to you, but not everybody's going to conform to your will. This is not going to happen. You have to learn to deal with people even though they're not changing. Because that's not your job to change them in the first place. But when you pray for them, when you say, God, let me view them the way you view them, all of a sudden it's not going to be how, it's not really that them are going to change, how you view them is going to change. And the people you didn't get along with, that boss who you, who you can't handle, the, the co-workers who you can't stand to be around, all of a sudden, because you took that first step of grace, right, because you took that first step of love, that's when you're going to start viewing people in a different way. It's not going to be them that changed. It's going to be that you that changed. In verse 8, it's, it said that when Peter, you know, got up and he had that little speech, he said, he said, only God knows the heart of every person. That's what he said. Only God knows the heart of people. Now, again, you might be saying to Caleb, okay, you're saying, you're saying Caleb, you know, CJ, both, you're saying, I've done those first two steps, okay? I've demonstrated the change, and I prayed for them, and they still haven't changed. Now, okay, I've done those first two things. Now I should be able to, you know, get in their face, and now I should be able to de demand change now, right? Because I did those two things, I've done them already, and now I should be able to do that. Here's point number three. Only God knows perfect change. Only God knows perfect change. Because here's the thing. What if after you're demonstrating, after you're praying for them, they're still not changing, what if they're never meant to change? What if God is the one who knows the perfect change, not you? And if God's the only one who knows the perfect change, that's why we need to pray for his will. And if there hasn't been an opportunity, if there hasn't been a way for you to guide them or for you to give them advice, if those, none of those things have presented themselves, then maybe God knows better than you do. Then maybe God's change is better than your change. Because what if we got everything we prayed for? I, always, I think about this sometimes. I say, God, what if I got everything I prayed for? My life would be pretty bad because you're, you're, you know, God's will was way better than mine. You see, what if God's change is way better than our change? You see, that is why changing people when it comes down to it is not our job because we don't know what perfect change is. 
We don't really know all the outcomes, only God does. We don't know all the people's hearts, only God does. So that's why changing people, that's why it's not our job. That's why it's God's. Because only he knows what needs to be changed, how it needs to be changed, and why it needs to be changed. So we have to make sure that we let God, we have to make sure that we let him, not ourselves, demand the change of others. If there's one thing I've seen that breaks apart people, that breaks apart families, is that somebody wants a change to happen in somebody else's life, and they try and they try, and then when they don't do it, right, the enemy seems to get in that way of saying there's a problem there. Don't let the enemy confuse you. Just trust God. Amen. We all stand with me tonight. I'm going to close. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39, it says this. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second, everybody says equally, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to close with this thought. Changing people is not our job, but loving people is. Changing people is not our job, but loving people is. So don't worry about changing people. Don't worry about fixing them. I know we got some OCD people in the house who can see everything that's wrong. Don't worry about it. It's not your job. And here's the freedom in that. So many of us get caught up in fixing people changing people, focus on others that we can miss the change that needs to happen on ourselves. We get really what we do, we get we get so focused on trying to do God's job. Because changing people is not our job. In fact, what scripture says we only have one job. And that's just to love people and love the Lord with all our heart. That's our only job. And if we do that, if we just focus on loving people, not calling them out, if we just focus on encouraging people, not discouraging them, not, not tearing them down, not trying to, you know, show them what's better way or better option. If we just focus on loving people, I'm telling you, not only are you going to see the change, but you're going to see a change that goes beyond your understanding because that's how God works. It says God goes beyond, right? We can't figure him out. It goes beyond our understanding. So if we just love people and watch God do what he does best, we're going to watch chains go beyond our understanding. We're going to see things happen that we never thought could happen. We're going to watch God transform our families, not by us telling them how to do it, but by us just loving them. We're going to watch our co-workers start having an improved mood, not by us telling them that they need to start being happier, but by us just loving them, by us just showing them, right, not ourselves, but us showing who Christ is on the inside of us. I'm telling you, if we begin to do that, you're not going to have to change one person in your life. Because by just loving people, you're going to see the change already. So I just want to pray tonight, and this is what I want the prayer focus to be, is that God's, for God's will is to take place. For God's will to just take place in the people's lives around us. For us not to seek change in others, but just to seek change in ourselves. For us to let the Holy Spirit have a loud voice in our hearts, have a loud voice in our spirits for us to know not what needs to be changed about others, but what needs to be changed on the inside of us. So let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you that we're just leaning on you right now, that we're leaning on your spirit, 
that we're not looking to the left or to the right, but we're focused on you only, God. And so right now, Father, tell us right now what needs to happen in our lives. Show us the people who we need to love more. Show us the people who we need to be kinder to, God. Help us, Father, to be the hands and feet of you, to love people the way you love them, God. You see, Jesus never called out people. He only helped people. Jesus never looked for the bad, but he always saw the good. So, Father, help us have the heart of Jesus tonight. Help us see, God, the way you see people. Help us love people the way you love people, Father. Help us, God, see our family members differently, our co-workers differently, our bosses differently, God. Help us see the people around us in a perspective that allows us to love them even more, God. We give you all the glory and the praise, Father. No longer will we have disagreements with one another. No longer, God, will we let hate fill our hearts or anger fill our hearts. But, God, only love is going to take over us. Only peace is going to take over us tonight. So I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing on the inside of us, God. For what you're doing, Father, on the people around us that only you can deliver perfect change. So right now, God, we give up that responsibility to you because it's not our job. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to give somebody a chance to say yes to Jesus. Now, you might be saying, Caleb, hear what you're saying, but I don't even know if I've taken that first step yet. Well, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night to say yes to Jesus. So, church family, let's do this together. With every head bowed and eyes closed, repeat after me. Say, Father. I believe I'm a sinner and that I need saving. And I believe that your son is Jesus and that he died on the cross for me and took away all my sins and that he rose again on the third day. Jesus, I confess you Lord over my life, Lord over my emotions, Lord over everything around me. In the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, let's give that a hand clap for anybody who said yes to Jesus tonight. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.